Welcome into a joint edition of the 615 Sessions podcast and a little bit of Titan Game Day morning. Happy to have you guys in here alive from London. Well, as you might have guessed, the show is not live on this Saturday when you are hearing it, but I am in London. It is late in the evening, 11.20 p.m. on a Friday night here in London as we are taping this for you. And of course, that will mean that it's just after 5 p.m. back in Nashville. I actually just got back from a great soccer game, a football game, an actual football game here across the pond. Me and a our good buddy Paul Kaharski went to the England-Australia International Friendly at Wembley Stadium. It was awesome. So since I'm still fighting a little jet lag, I came back from the soccer game and thought, you know what, probably a good time to make sure that we don't miss a podcast. So it is a joint 615 Titan Game Day morning show. we got a lot of things to talk about from the team being out here in London and getting ready for this Ravens game. We'll do so. After a quick reminder that the show today is presented by a variety of different people. Relax the back. Hashtag we got your back Nashville. Relaxtheback.com is where you go for the best tools you need to succeed where it comes to improving your sleep, improving your work productivity, whatever it is, mattresses, standing desks, office chairs, relax the back has you covered. Two Rivers Ford, powered by Ford, driven by people. Quality American-made Ford vehicles for 40 years here in Middle Tennessee. Well, not here in London. I'm not in Middle Tennessee, but they are at Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. Of course, you know, since we're doing a little Titan Game Day mashup, that the program is also brought to you by the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage, garyashton.com. Don't sell without the intel that the Ashton team can provide to you. And, of course, Zen Sports, who makes all of these things possible from our Zen Sports studio back at home. Promo code ATOZTN, 15 days of unlimited 5% cash back when you plug in that promo code in the Zen Sports app. So Titans in London, they're about an hour and a half outside of the city uh, in a compound called The Grove. That's where they held their practices. That's where they're staying. They'll bus in. In fact, they had buses bring the guys in to downtown London tonight so they could explore and experience the city. And, of course, the game against the Ravens on Sunday will be a huge test for them. We've talked about this in some form or fashion all week long. The idea that Tennessee, 2-3, and three, desperately needs this win. Baltimore, 3-2, and two, having just lost to Pittsburgh, who inexplicably leads the AFC North, could also use this win. They dropped a game against a divisional opponent that, they probably would have liked to and were totally capable of beating as well, just like Tennessee did against the Colts. And for both of these teams, it's pretty, it's a pretty difficult situation to be in for no other reason than you have to play it abroad. This is a neutral site game. This is a coin flip game in all the literal ways that you might describe it. There are no advantages or matchups that would dictate how this game is going to go. There are, of course, and there'll be schematics, and the Titans will take advantage of matchups that they think are favorable against the Ravens. The Ravens will do the same against Tennessee. But in reality, when your routine is thrown off as much as it is, when there is no home field advantage for either team, when you have the uh, logistics of travel and training and really the two different approaches that both teams took to this, you understand that there's going to be a lot of opportunity for variance. 
And honestly, your biggest advantage in this game, if you're the Titans, is that opportunity for variance. Because I think, you know, had we played this game back in, back in the States and theoretically a home game for the Titans, had we played it at Nissan Stadium, Baltimore would come in as road favorites, justifiably so. They shouldn't be by much because they've got issues of their own on offense that they're still currently trying to iron out. But you'll hear from Greg Cosell uh, here in just a little bit on a couple of different things regarding the Titans and the Ravens in this game. Um, but just some thoughts about the significance of this for them right now, them being Tennessee. Man, it's hard for me to look at the Tennessee Titans in 2023, having seen five games of them so far, and trust much of anything that they do. Now, you are entitled to be optimistic. I'm not saying that you should be pessimistic. I'm telling you that my outlook of this particular football team is one that does not inspire a ton of confidence. Justifiably so. Inconsistencies across the board. The field goal kicker is the most reliable thing that they have going. At a certain point when it comes to that field goal kicker, you understand that uh, he is being relied on entirely too much and that 53-yard field goal attempts, as he was asked to make against the Colts, shouldn't be treated as routinely as they seem to be making them. Now, for the Ravens, their inconsistencies are also on offense. The defense isn't spectacularly good this year, and I'll give you some numbers on them here in just a second as we get through the uh, 615 Sessions podcast here this afternoon. But there's just so many logistical things that can come into play. So Mike Vrabel was asked about London in particular earlier in the week and how they would go about managing the situation. They came out here on Thursday night. In fact, they flew out and landed the same time that I did. Flew out Thursday night and landed here early Friday morning and went about their business. And Mike Vrabel's intent was to hit the ground running. Now, we know that when it comes to running, this is not that was not something that the Titans did well, running the football against specifically the Indianapolis Colts. They were beaten at the line of scrimmage pretty soundly. thought there were some nice pass protection moments, but you understand also that they're doing a lot to help their tackle situation right now, and that is further inhibiting their offense. Uh, Tim Kelly was asked about the usage of Derrick Henry, and if he goes in with a set plan week in and week out, of course, that's the Titans OC, and this is what he had to say. Um, I, I mean, obviously, you're going into a game with a plan of trying to get – making sure people uh, – you know, you're, you're getting your playmakers the ball. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that there's a, you know, a, a tick chart going on and like, oh, well, we got to get him next five carries. Um, you know, it's our job as coaches to be able to get a feel for the game and, and a feel for those runners and what type of running schemes are, are working you know, best here and, and what type of running style. Um, but, you know, it's a good problem to have when, when you have guys that, that have ability to make plays for us uh, at, 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 you know, the same position. So, um, yeah, we'll continue to find different ways to get those guys the ball. So Tim Kelly there is talking about the usage uh, rotation, basically, between Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears. And I had a couple of you guys ask me this question. Um, should they continue to decrease Derrick Henry's reps, basically? Now, I know that runs counter to a lot of that, and I'm not saying that I agree with that assessment. But I do think that there should, not, there should be no more – well – I was getting ready to say there should be no more Derrick Henry specific game plans. And I don't, I don't actually think that. And I don't, but I guess what I'm trying to articulate is that they should not go in with a certain usage rate set in their minds for either of these two players. This is a game flow specific scenario 
that they have to play out, that they have to ride out with Derrick Henry and with Tajay Spears. They are there to complement one another. They have to have them complement one another. Um, Mike Vrabel was very complimentary of Spears and Hopkins, in particular from earlier in the week. We talked about a variety of different things and about uh, ways that these guys get involved, not just with the ball in their hands, but as playmakers. You know, Tajay Spears, the second highest graded pass protector among qualified people who have been in pass protection this year. That's according to Pro Football Focus. His pass blocking rating is in the 90th percentile. That's outstanding, and it allows him to stay on the field in other situations where you might have to pull, say, a Dontrell Hilliard or a a Hassan Haskins or somebody like that in years past. Derrick Henry has not always been great in holding up in the protection plan as well. This is something that Spears seems to really excel at, and that was something that Mike Vrabel highlighted of Spears and of guys like Hopkins on how they can contribute without the ball in their hands. How's Tajay Spears progressed as an offensive weapon this year? Uh, you know, good. We got to continue to find ways to get him the ball. Um, his, my favorite contributions that he makes, I know that he's going to do good things with the football, but even on the, the, the pass to Wesco there on short yardage, he's sprinting down there to, to block somebody that's trying to hit you know, Trayvon, and he tries to protect the guy with the ball. Um, didn't really mention it, I don't think, during the week in Cincinnati, but, you know, the 15-yard penalty that everybody was questioning was Tajay coming over and blocking a guy and squaring him up in the hole and then driving him as the pass went, and the guy ripped Tajay's helmet off, and that's what they ended up calling it. So, it, you know, I think there were some questions on, was it on the quarterback, was it on Nick? It was actually Tajay's willingness to go in there and block the guy and finish as long as he could that the guy got frustrated and ripped his helmet off so those are the things that again we talked about in Minnesota when he came in and blocked in the pressure and the mug look and so those are all really really positive things outside of what he does with the football in his hand which you know speaks for itself Hopkins, uh, that drive coming out of the uh, halftime, you know, it kind of took over that drive. How do you like the way he's just kind of getting settled in as, as one of the major guys in the offense? Well, he, he has to be, and he knows that, and, and the connection that he has with the quarterback and his ability to find seams in the defense and whether it's to settle down or uncover, um, you know, run through his own. Ryan gave him a good ball or his ability to adjust to – to a pass, his body control. So, you know, I, I know up until yesterday, he, I, he had obviously would wanted more production, but I've mentioned before, every time we've needed a, a play on third down, he's been there uh, or a play at the end of the Chargers game, you know, made a huge play. So yesterday it was great to see him, you know, have, have some, you know, production. That was Mike Vrabel speaking on Tajay Spears and DeAndre Hopkins uh, a couple of days ago as we do the 615 Sessions podcast here live from, well, I keep saying live, but it's my habit to say live. We do so many of these things live, the radio show, the streaming show, now the 615 Sessions, uh, that you'll forgive me that verbal tick. We are not live. This is, uh, for me to be live, it would have not worked with the time constraints as I've already mentioned earlier for those of you who might have just popped on the premiere version of the podcast because we will be premiering this for you 
on Saturday morning um, while I am blissfully, hopefully asleep. I have not yet adapted to the jet lag situation. Wasn't able to sleep on the plane. It was a tough scene. I, I swear to God. And I was sitting next to the human embodiment of Homer and Marge Simpson, Simpson, like voices that you could not make up. In fact, you could make them up. You could put them in the Simpsons as characters. They sounded uh, ridiculous and they were keeping me awake the entire time. Not because they were talking to me, but they were talking amongst themselves, husband and wife. That's fine. It's their right. It's a nine hour flight. You're entitled to do so. But also I was, uh, every time I heard both of their voices, it was like nails on a chalkboard. And maybe that's just because overnight flights are not my thing, but uh, you know, meaning no disrespect, actually, there's no way for me to say that without meaning disrespect to the couple that was sitting next to me from Boston to London. But either way, we hope, we're hoping we can get some sleep before uh, at some point this weekend while I'm over here before I ship on back for Monday, which reminds me, uh, there's not going to be a prime time with me on Sunday night because I will be uh, that will be 2 a.m. local time here in London that the primetime show would normally air. So we are going to defer to Sam Phelan, who is back in Nashville, who will be me on Sunday night. So he will have your full reaction to Titans and Ravens for you uh, while I am in transit and uh, also off next week for vacation. I'm taking the bye week off, so no 615, no install, no primetime. There will be a radio show, but it won't be me hosting the radio show uh, while we uh, all take some much-needed time off, I think. But Titans don't have that luxury yet. They have to be able to step up in this game. Now, we you've heard from Mike Brable about playmakers who um, are involved in the offense in a variety of different ways. And it, we have not yet talked about guys who need to step up consequentially. Or consequentially, um, I think, when you talk about Traylon Burks, who didn't even make the trip. He was ruled out on Thursday before they got on the plane, as was Elijah Molden and Luke Gifford, the special teams linebacker. But, you know, the Burks thing, I... I assumed that he was not going to play. This will be three straight games that he missed, and it was my understanding that this was always the plan to get him through the bye week and try and keep him from an injured reserve stint that would cost him at least four games as opposed to a a time period of weeks that they could manipulate with the bye in their favor in the first half of the season. Um, So without Burks, you know, he's not not a consistent playmaker for this offense yet. I, I had NWI on the radio show this week, and, you can check that full interview out via the podcast, or I know they've uploaded it individually to YouTube uh, on the 104.5 The Zone YouTube channel. But, you know, Nick has been a vastly more consistent playmaker as a wide receiver than anybody not named Hopkins on the team. Now, Westbrook Aquina is the only player who's caught, or the only wide receiver who's caught a touchdown pass this season for the Titans. He has two. Uh, in fact, both of Ryan Tannehill's touchdown passes have gone to Nick Westbrook-Akina. Remember that Tannehill has two touchdowns to five interceptions this year. And that the third touchdown, the third passing touchdown that the Titans have this year was a Derrick Henry pass to rookie tight end Josh Wiley. So speaking of tight ends and second-year players from Traylon Burks and Josh Wiley to Chickaconquo, I need to see Chick step up in a meaningful way, man. It's been it's been pretty tough. Um to see him not make meaningful contributions in the passing game. Now, he has done well as a blocker, and that is an important part of the game. And I know you'll roll your eyes and you'll say, oh, well, what do I care about blocking? He's a tight end. We need him to catch passes and catch touchdowns. Yes, you also need him to do that. But his his importance to what it is that they're trying to accomplish as an offense 
requires that he be a willing and able blocker. And thus far, I think you've seen some good work from him on that. But it's, you know, he seems to be, Burt described him this week as despondent based on the video that I'm about to play for you and the audio that you'll hear. For those of you who listen to the audio version only of the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you're consuming this, Kayla Anderson tweeted a video with Chig asking him some pretty softball questions. This is not, you know, she's not pressing him on why he isn't better. She's asking him some pretty reasonable things. And just listen to how short and how disinterested he is in engaging in the subject matter when all Kayla's trying to do is, one, ask him what's going on with his situation, and two, I honestly think that she was kind of providing him a bit of a life raft that he seemed unwilling to take. This was Chigakakwo in the locker room this week. Yeah, just go to sleep a little earlier uh, each night during the week. So for the red zone, for you guys specifically offensively, what have you seen that you guys need to improve on to maybe be more consistent down there? Uh, just finish our drives, you know. We you know, do a good job getting down there, and then it's just, you know, maybe one one detail on the play that might have messed it up that we weren't able to finish the drive on. So just when we get down there, just uh, ex- make sure that we execute. So that's Chicken Conquo, short, sweet, and to the point, I suppose, um, but giving you as much there as he's giving you on the playing field right now. And I'm not questioning his effort or his willingness, but, you know, for somebody who received – I thought a lot of unwarranted off-season hype, and that's not his fault. It's not anything that he did or anything that was really within his control. It's just you know fantasy football and people who are interested in guys who you might buy low on to sell high or to capitalize sleepers, as you were, or, or as, however you would describe them. Chig kind of was that for a lot of people outside of Tennessee this year. And I was, I'm certainly willing to believe that Chig has more in him than what we are currently witnessing. I know I've seen it, um, but it hasn't materialized in 2023 without Burks. They need somebody to step up and Hopkins and Chris Moore are doing what they can. Kyle Phillips, not a factor last week. We'll see uh, whether he is more involved in what they're trying to do offensively beyond the return game. Did see a couple of snaps last week in empty sets, but uh, was, or obvious and, and empty sets and obvious passing situations for Kyle Phillips, but did not catch a pass. Uh, if I remember correctly, I'll check, I'll double check my game book to make sure I know he had one target at least, but I do not remember uh, him having a reception in the loss to the Colts. Uh, I think though, that when you talk about Chigakonkwo and what you're getting from him presently, uh, the, the statistical output is one thing. 15 catches, 104 yards, no touchdowns on the year. They do use him in a bunch of different ways, but he was targeted nine times against the Colts. He only came up with five. Like, make a play, dude. You know? And I know, I know that seems like basic analysis or, or generic analysis, but at a certain point, it's true. I was correct. Kyle Phillips had a target, but not a reception in the Titans' loss to the Colts. So, Kyle Phillips, Chikakonkwo, somebody willing, you know, anybody willing to make a play. Uh, I'm sure they would be grateful uh, for that. Now, Hopkins, you know, you heard Rabel mention Hopkins there. And Hopkins only has two targets in the red zone this year, and one of them came from Derrick Henry last week. Uh, Tim Kelly was asked about the usage of DeAndre Hopkins on Thursday before the team flew to London, and and I thought, you know, his answer didn't give you a ton of insight. But, uh, well, we'll see what you make of this. This is Tim Kelly on Thursday. 
think, you know, that's, uh, again, when, when, when you got to uh, have a guy like Hop, uh, you know, a guy like Derek, a guy like Tajay, who, you know, chip on you know, these, these different players who uh, are not only talented in terms of being able to, to make plays and have the ball, uh, but also do a good enough job of understanding the system and understanding the scheme to where you can move them and they can align in different positions and allows you flexibility. Uh, and not, not only what you're calling, but how you're calling. So, um, yeah, it's been, you know, to, again, it's a credit to those guys being able to come in here and learn the system and not just memorize plays, uh, you know, to provide themselves the versatility to be able to be able to run. So that's Tim Kelly speaking on the versatility. And, and, you know, it's not just about him memorizing plays or things of that nature, but how much he can create and how much the offense needs to create, help him create. Here's the thing. You know, Cosell brought this up earlier on the podcast that we do with Greg each and every week on Wednesdays. Greg mentioning the idea that this is a Titans team that can't just line up and play and, in fact, is being limited by the amount of times they have to help their tackles. It's limiting how many routes they can send out in their passing game on any given third down or any obvious passing situation, right, where they do, they where they where keep guys in to help keep Tannehill upright but only send two or three routes out on any given play design because that's all they're capable of doing. You limit yourself. You give the defense a numbers advantage right away. And in that situation, you know, it is it is tough to get into the full scope of your playbook, and I think that's something that Tim Kelly is also working uphill against. Now, nobody cares, right? It's the Kim Kardashian thing. Uh, it's it's uh, you better work, bitch, right? Nobody cares work harder type of stuff. And I think that um, that's basically the situation that the Titans are in. I don't, I don't doubt that they're working hard. It's just the fruits of that have uh, yet to pay dividends, I think, in a meaningful way in 2023. So that's going to do it for us from London. Um, enjoy the game. I'll have Titans radio pregame coverage for you. A little bit of Lee Company countdown to kickoff uh, in, back in Nashville. I think that's going to be from 6 to 6.30 a.m. with me. And then Mickey and Blaine will... Continue to host it up until Titans Countdown begins at 8.30. Kayla will do a half hour with the boys as well, and then they'll take you through the uh, the rest of the time remaining, the final half hour before Titans Countdown, which uh, I am on, of course, at 11.45 with Jim Wyatt and Rhett Bryan at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's going to be awesome. Um, we'll see if the Titans can steal one. They're going to have to steal one. This is, uh, this is uh, you know, as must win a situation as could be had three and three going into the bye week feels a hell of a lot different than two and four, especially when you talk about a game at home against the Falcons before three straight road trips. And one of them being on Thursday night football, uh, enjoy the evening, enjoy the rest of your, well, it's evening here. It's almost midnight here, uh, as we get ready to wrap this up. So enjoy whatever is left of your day at the time that you're hearing this particular podcast. We'll do another one. Um, not for two weeks, because like I said, I'm on bi-week vacation next week. So the next time that I talk to you guys, it will probably be a little bit of radio on Monday. Not the whole radio show. Lucas is going to be me for the most part on Monday. Um, but we won't really spend a lot of extended time together until not this coming Monday, but next. So enjoy the time that I have away from you. If I catch you on the pregame show on Sunday, I'll look forward to speaking to you guys then. But you can always keep it right here for your Titans coverage on the 615 Sessions podcast. And every once in a while, the rare international Titan game day morning 
It's not quite in the morning. It's at 1144 p.m. British Standard Time. See you guys.